Do not work for food that perishes. Now, when most of us hear the word work, we think of our jobs, right? Work is that place that we go when we leave the house in the morning and where we spend most of our waking hours. I remember one time when my kids were still small, they asked me one time, you know, where is work? All the time, daddy's, I'm going to work, bye, I'm going to work. Like, what is this work, this magical place that daddy goes to all the time, right? And if we're fortunate, our work is something that we enjoy and that we find fulfilling. But for a lot of us, work is something that we do out of necessity. We need a paycheck. We need to put food on the table and a roof over our heads to take care of ourselves and our families. And so we might rightly wonder a little bit about Jesus telling us not to work for food that perishes because, well, how else are we supposed to get food, right? (laughs) Doesn't St. Paul say somewhere else in the scriptures, he who does not eat work shall not eat? If we don't work for food that perishes, we might perish. But when Jesus tells us not to work for food that perishes, We need to think about more than our jobs and our paychecks. We need to expand our understanding of work. And I was thinking about this, and another way that we speak about our work is as our occupation. And that's an interesting word, occupation. It comes from the word occupy, obviously, which means to be present somewhere. So if you're occupying a room, You're physically present there in that room. If you're occupying a house, if you're the occupant of a house, you you live there. You are its occupant. That means, literally, you are taking up space there. So that's what it means to occupy a place. It means to take up space. And I know we probably call our jobs our occupations in the sense that we occupy a post or we fill a position. We have a place there at our jobs. But it's also very true that our jobs occupy, they take up a lot of space in our lives. We don't so much occupy our work as our work occupies us. So when Jesus tells us, do not work for food that perishes, I invite you today to think about what it is that occupies you. What is it that takes up space in your life. And I want you to think beyond just what occupies your time, because I think sometimes we make unfair comparisons between the amount of time that we spend in church and the amount of time we spend out in the world engaging in worldly pursuits, right? Uh, We can feel guilty sometimes or make ourselves feel guilty. Oh, I'm just in church for one hour a week or an hour and a half when Father Coleman's preaching. And you know, how many hours? How many hours do I spend, you know, out in the world? uh, But the reality is we live in the world, right? That's where we live. We're not in heaven yet. And so the business of life needs to be attended to. And that's naturally going to take up most of our time. So let's think beyond that. Not so much what occupies your time, but what occupies your thoughts? What occupies your concerns and your affections? What takes up space in your mind, and in your heart. When you're going about the daily tasks of your life, at work or at home, 
you know, part of your attention is going to be focused on that task at hand, but what thoughts and concerns occupy those spaces in between? What's there in the background of your mind? When you're at leisure and your mind is free, what thoughts rise up to the surface? When you're lying in bed at night and you're trying to sleep, what images keep you company? I'm speaking about what we call the interior life. What is the work of your soul? What occupies your soul? Are they things that are good and true and beautiful? Do you think about God? Do you seek ways to draw closer to him? Do you think about what kind of person God wants you to be? Do you wonder what heaven will be like? And do you want to go there? I was thinking about this, you know, when we plan a trip to somewhere in this world, we think about it, right? We plan it out. If you want to go to Hawaii, you say, well, how am I going to get to Hawaii? I need to buy a plane ticket. I need to save up money to buy a plane ticket. How am I going to do that? Right? What am I going to do when I get there? What's Hawaii like? Let me read about Hawaii. You know, let me talk to some people who have been there. Let me talk to some people who live there, right? Do we think that way about heaven? Let's talk to people that have made their way to heaven. Let's talk to the saints. Let's talk to Jesus. That's where he lives. Tell me, Lord, what's heaven going to be like? How do I get there? Do we think about these things? Do we reflect on the fact that all of this around us, this whole world, is passing away? Do we think about our own death and that we, too, are passing away and we'll be leaving all of this behind? And so do we spend time reflecting on those things that are really of true and lasting value? Do we ask, what's going to endure for eternity? So when we're busy with all of our daily tasks that need attending to, is your soul aware of her creator? Or are you, for all intents and purposes, oblivious of these things? What occupies our mind and occupies our hearts determines our disposition and it reveals what it is that we're truly working for. Are we spending our life working for that which is passing away and ultimately will be of no value, or for that which is eternal? In our first reading this morning, the Hebrew people are out in the desert and they're complaining because they're hungry and we read about the miracle. God gives them manna, bread from heaven, to eat and satisfy them. A lesson for us that God will give us what we need and often give us more than we deserve. He's a generous God. But let's not forget why it was that the Hebrews were out there wandering in the desert in the first place, right? We've known the story. They had been slaves in Egypt, and God freed them from their slavery. But I think most of us, maybe, to our shame, are more familiar with the Exodus story from the movies, maybe, than from the scriptures. And in the movies, there's a popular image of Moses kind of standing in front of Pharaoh saying, let my people go, right? But if you go back and read the actual account in scripture, if we read in Exodus, we discover that's not entirely accurate. Moses says, let my people go that they may worship God in the wilderness. He was demanding that Pharaoh give the Hebrew people time off from their labor 
so that they could attend to their religious obligations. He was telling Pharaoh, in essence, we may be doing your work, but we also need to be attentive to God's work. You may be our master in this world, but we have a higher master, and we need to remember that. And that's why the church tells us that we have to come and worship at Mass and refrain from servile labor on Sunday as a reminder to us so that we don't forget that even though we have work that we have to do all through the week, right, the one that we truly work for and ought to be working for is God. And Pharaoh tells Moses, no. And he doesn't just say no. He says, well, obviously, if the Hebrews have enough time to think about worshiping God, then I'm not working them hard enough. So he increased the amount of labor that he was demanding of them. They had been making bricks, you know, out of straw and mud. And Pharaoh not only upped their uh, quota of bricks that they had to make, but he also said, you know, we're going to stop supplying you with straw for the bricks. You need to gather your own straw to make the bricks from. He didn't just want all of their time to be occupied by work for him. He wanted their minds and their hearts to be so occupied with his work that there's no room left in their lives for God. That's what they were being liberated from. Not liberating them from slavery to Pharaoh, but liberating them for the right work and worship of God. Now, we may not be slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, my brothers and sisters, but that does not mean we don't need to be freed from things that so occupy us that they leave no room for God in our lives. Last week, the church celebrated the feast day of St. Ignatius of Loyola, who was founder of the Society of Jesus, better known as the Jesuits. In St. Ignatius, if you're familiar with his life, he was a, a dashing young Spanish soldier, very much occupied by things of this world. But his soldiering career was cut short when he was hit in the leg by a cannonball. Now that tends to slow one down a little bit. So he spent weeks in bed recovering. And one of the things Ignatius had enjoyed doing was reading adventure stories, mostly about other dashing young soldiers like himself and their military and romantic conquests. And so while he's lying there in bed recovering, he asks for some books to read. But, to his great disappointment, I'm sure, the only two books in the place were The Life of Christ and a collection of the lives of the saints. So imagine being laid up in the hospital for weeks and the only channel that the TV gets is EWTN, right? He had nothing else, no other way to dispel his boredom. And so he read those books, and he read them over and over again, and he became inspired by them. You know, this is a story of his conversion. But his conversion was not immediate, right? It's not like he read the Gospels once and then, boom, that's it, I'm a saint now, right? His mind was still occupied by worldly thoughts, he would think back to the adventure stories that he liked the, to read and, and no doubt to his own past experiences and memories as well as a very worldly young soldier getting into all kinds of trouble, I'm sure. And he would be entertained by these thoughts. But after a while, he noticed something. He noticed that when he allowed himself to be occupied by worldly thoughts, 
yeah, he'd find it pleasurable. It would make him happy for a little while. But then when he finished indulging in those fantasies, the pleasure would vanish. And in fact, he just ended up feeling worse. It left him feeling empty and sad and depressed. But when he thought about the life of Christ and the lives of the saints, these new holy things that he was reading, it would give him pleasure. But then he noticed the joy didn't go away as soon as he finished thinking about them. It stayed with him, and it left him feeling full and alive. What Ignatius discovered was that he had been spending his life, he had been working for food that perishes. He had been filling his life with things that would ultimately just leave him empty. Like food in your belly. It just fills you for a little while, but soon leaves you hungry again. And so Ignatius decided that the only way to spend his life was to work for that that would fill him for eternity. I think we can learn a lesson from St. Ignatius' experience. I want you to think about the last time you spent a good 30 minutes in prayer. The last really good prayer time that you had, right? Maybe you were doing Lectio Divina, meditating on a passage from sacred scripture. Maybe you were here, you know, on Friday, first Friday, adoring the Lord in adoration. Or maybe you just prayed a really heartfelt rosary, right? Think about that experience, whenever that last experience was in your life. How did you feel when you were done? Did you feel rested? Did you feel refreshed? Maybe renewed? Did you feel at peace? Now I want you to think about the last time you spent 30 minutes scrolling through Facebook or Instagram or whatever your favorite social media is. Or maybe flipping through channels on the TV. I think that was the 1980s version of Facebook, right? And just sitting on the couch flipping channels on TV. For most of us, that's probably a more recent memory, right? <laughs> maybe this morning before we came to Mass. And I'm sure it was pleasurable at the time. I'm sure we all enjoy doing that. but. How did it leave you feeling afterwards? Did you feel relaxed and energized? Or did you feel drained and kind of sluggish? And maybe even a little depressed? There are a lot of studies out now, I've been reading them, that, um, that are finding that too much time being spent on social media in particular leads to a decrease in overall happiness and satisfaction of life. And there's probably a lot of different reasons for that. But one reason is that social media and so many other different worldly pursuits is food that perishes. It's not meant to fill us. And if we rely on it to fill us, we will be disappointed. It fills us for a time and then it occupies our time, but then it leaves us feeling empty. And so we go back for more because we need to be filled again. It just occupies us, but it doesn't nourish us. And I'm just using social media as an example here because it's such a part of our modern-day culture. But think about any of the things in your life that occupy not only your time, but your mind and your heart. What sort of food are you feeding your soul? Is it food that will satisfy you for eternity? 
Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never hunger, and whoever believes in me will never thirst. Jesus is the only food that satisfies. When we hear the word of God, when we receive the sacraments, most especially the body and blood of our Lord in the Eucharist, Jesus comes to dwell within us. He occupies us. Let's keep him there. Let's be mindful of his presence. A Christian should always be preoccupied with Jesus. Preoccupied. That means no matter what other job or task we may be called upon to perform in life, we should enter into that task already filled with God. His ways should occupy our minds. His love should be the constant disposition of our hearts. Or to put it the way that St. Paul did in his letter to the Ephesians, you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. That is not how you learned Christ. You should put away the old self of your former way of life, corrupted through deceitful desires, and be renewed in the spirit of your minds and put on the new self, created in God's way, in righteousness and in holiness of truth. My brothers and sisters, do not work for food that perishes. You're worth more than that. If you only fill your life with food that perishes, then you will perish along with it. So work instead for that food that endures for eternal life, Jesus Christ, the living bread who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Let Christ and his Holy Spirit occupy your life and you will be satisfied.